having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. He redeemed us from this curse that the blessing of Abraham might come upon us, the Gentiles, in Christ Jesus. And that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So this morning, I want to speak to you about to pass from being cursed to being blessed. And it's a sensitive topic because the culture that we live in, do we really still believe in curses? Do we really still believe in that? Do we really still believe in blessing? If you were to speak to a circular person and you would start talking about being blessed or being cursed, what are they going to do? You're weird. That's where they get going. And the thing that we need to make out this morning is that either we are cursed or we are blessed. Either there is power in a curse and there's power in a blessing or there's not. Now, you guys know me. Alec likes it. He, he often says to me, he loves it. Because if it's in here, it's true. And if it's not in here, don't talk to me about it. So, first I want to give, I want to establish a biblical foundation for curses and for blessings. What's that ping? So we can sort that out, please. Thank you. So, we want to establish that. Now, the first thing you need to understand about a blessing or a curse, it is generational. It will run from one generation to the next generation to the next generation. Whether you believe it or not, that's how it is. Let me give you this scripture, Genesis 22, verse 15. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham, a second time out of heaven and said, remember when Abraham was sacrificing his son? This is where we are now. By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, in blessing, I will bless you. So God is saying, blessing upon blessing. Who wants to be blessed? Just wants to be prosperous. No, I'm not talking money. To prosper in what you're doing. You know, whether you're planting a flower garden or a vegetable garden, wouldn't you want that to prosper? To so the blessing. In blessing you, I will bless you. And in multiplying, I will multiply your descendants. You start looking at the older people. I remember my granny used to count the grandkids and the great-grandkids. I have now got 17 great-grandkids. And her, it was a form of wealth. Even in today's society, I have got so many great-grandkids. My granny got to see some great 
great grandkids. Only because people started playing early. <laughs> I think that's funny. I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and the sand on which the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. Isn't that? A... And in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Can you hear that blessing goes from generation to generation? So too many times we get stuck on family curses. Too many times we get stuck there. I want you to start looking at what might be a blessing in your family that's been running for generations. It took me months, if not years, to find it because I was so tuned into what's wrong and what is right. And then one day my wife discovered something. She says, all the men in your family have got strong personalities. And I'm like, do I have a strong personality? She says, yes, my husband, you've got a strong personality. Oh, that's news to me. And then I started seeing, but all the men in my family are hard workers. That's a blessing. You see, but easily we can look and say all the men in the family neglect their families. Because they work so hard. And they're putting the 16 hour days, 6, 7 days a week. It's easy to go that side and look at the negative. So blessings run from generation to generation. Abraham obeyed God's voice. Later, Isaac blessed his son. Remember the story where... Let me just read a little passage for you. Or just tell you the story at least. Where the brother cheated the other brother. Jacob cheated Esau for the blessing. Remember that? And they had, he, he had his mom made it, his clothes made up and... And I smeared him with blood so he can smell like the felt because he was a, he didn't have much hair. He wasn't a Mansa man in physique. He was fair-skinned and had little hair. Actually blessed because he doesn't have to shave every day, you know. <laughs> Blades are so expensive. So he brought him near to him, and he ate, and he brought the wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near now and kiss me, my son. And he came near, and he kissed him, and he smelled the smell of the clothing, and he blessed him, and he said, Listen to what he said. Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of the field which the Lord has blessed. Therefore, may God give you of the dew of heaven. Of the fatness of the earth, plenty of wine. Let people serve you, nations bow down to you, be master over your brethren. Let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be those who bless you. So between the two of them, you had 15 different blessings just there. What is our opening text? That the blessings of Abraham might come upon us. See, when you come into Jesus, that comes upon you. Because Jesus became a curse so that you and I can be blessed. Now, curses are... are they need a cause. Proverbs 26.2 says... 
like a flitting sparrow, like a flying swallow, so is a curse without cause. It shall not alight. Meaning, if there is no reason for a curse to come your way, there's nothing in you that curse cannot take hold of you. It can't. So, if there is a curse, there is a cause. Somewhere there's a cause. So, and we have to look at what is a curse and how does it present itself? And where does it come from? So, we're going to deal with where does it come from. One of the, the, the main causes, let's talk about the main causes of curses. The first one is God Himself curses people. What? What are you saying, Wilker? Let's read this together. Genesis 1, oh, Genesis 12, verse 1 to 3. And we just read that, where the blessings that God pronounced. Now listen to what it says. And the Lord said to Abraham, Go out of your country and from your kindred and from your father's house into the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. One, I will bless you. Two, make your name great. Three, you shall be blessed. Four, and I will bless those who bless you. Five, number six, I will curse him who curses you. And number seven, Abraham, in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. You see, there's a protection that God's built in the blessing of Abraham. Should somebody speak a curse over Abraham, God says, I will curse that person. That's a, that's a protective, but that's God cursing. Now, I don't want to be on that side. I don't want to be there. You see, when we see this, then immediately we must think, are we guilty or not of cursing the nation of Israel? Jewish jokes. I know it's jokes. But there's venom in them. Anti-Semitism. Anti-Jews, pro-Palestine. The whole world revolves around this thing. About the Palestinians and the, and the Israelis. And we had huge, with Donald Trump, we had huge, huge things when he moved the capital, acknowledging Israel as a nation. He moved his embassy to their capital, Tel Aviv. The Germans, they killed the Jews. Automatically, there's a curse from God on those peoples. Automatic. And Moses commanded the people on the same day, listen to this, and this is the way into the promised land. You only go into the promised land by curse or by blessing. You cannot go into it in any other way. Listen, and Moses commanded the people on the same day saying, these shall stand on Mount Gerizim. So I want six brothers to stand to bless the people when you have crossed the Jordan. Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar and Joseph and Benjamin, you stand here and you bless Israel. 
And these shall stand on Mount Ebal to curse Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebubal, Dan, and Naphtali. Deuteronomy 27. You see, and this is what they would say. If you are willing and obedient, you'll have the fat of the land. But if you are not, you'll be cursed. That's God cursing. Saying, if you're willing and obedient, that's the qualification for God's blessing. If you're not willing and obedient, then it won't come upon you. They could enter the promised land without, without being exposed either to blessing. There was no way into the promised land but through blessing and curse. And the first of those curses is idolatry and false gods. Deuteronomy 27, verse 14 and 15. The next one is dishonoring parents. Ephesians 6, verse 1 to 3. You see... The promise here is honor your father and your mother that you might be blessed. The converse is true. Now, honor doesn't mean you have to agree with what they do. There's a difference. I don't have to agree with the way they do things or how they conduct themselves to honor them. I can disprove of that completely and say, I don't agree with what you're doing. But I honor you as my father and my mother. When I honor, there's blessing. When I don't honor, there's curse. That God instituted that. Another thing that when they went in is illicit or unnatural sex. Illicit sex is outside of marriage. Unnatural is homosexual bestiality that's unnatural God says it's a curse and you go read Romans 1 verse 20 and on and God says and this will rest upon them the, the, the punishment of their ways will be upon them injustice to the weak and the helpless you see the Lord is father to the father fatherless and he welcomes the alien. You see, if we go to a place where, and this is the story, what in America happened is that they got, the Americans broke their promises to the Indians. And the Indians know how to curse. And they cursed. You know that every 20 years, 20 years, the American president that came in up until Ronald Reagan, died in office. And then when Ronald Reagan came in, they prayed. He still got shot and the bullet stopped this far from his heart. For hundreds of years, every president, 20 years, died in office. They prayed with Ronald Reagan, breaking that curse. And it stops. It hasn't happened again. There's another curse that comes upon people. Jeremiah 17, 5-6. So says the Lord, Curse the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his arm, whose heart departs from the Lord, for he shall be like 
Janiper in the desert, and he shall not see the good when it comes, but he shall live in parched places and wilderness in, in a salt land that is not inhabited. So what it says there is that once you've tasted of the glory of God, you can't put your trust now in your works. Or maybe you've never put your trust in the Lord, and now you want to put... To trust your trust in your works to get you saved, to get you some, or you look to a man to provide for you. You see, you and I need to understand, gentlemen, you're not going to like this. I'm going to step on your toes. Okay? You are not the provider of your family. God is. He's the provider. He is the source. You take that bag that's been put on you, that heavy weight, and you throw it down. You are the head of your family. We'll get to that scriptures now. But you're not the provider. Many a man has worked himself to death or committed suicide or suffered from depression his whole life because he felt he couldn't provide enough or do good enough for his family. And there's a curse on them. So, we have to understand that God is our provider. In Ezekiel 5, verse 1 to 4, there's another source of curse that comes in. These are all placed by God. Okay? And again, I lifted up my eyes and behold, look and behold, a flying scroll. And he said to me, what do you see? And I answered, I see a flying scroll. Its length is 20 cubits, and its width is 10 cubits. And he said to me, this is the curse that goes forth over the face of the whole earth. Okay, so God is sending a curse over the face of the whole earth. And he said to him, okay, this is the curse that goes over the face of the earth. From now on, everyone who steals shall be cut off according to it. And everyone who swears from now on shall be cut off according to him. I, the Lord, will bring it forth, says the Lord of hosts. I shall enter into the house of the thief and into the house of him who swears falsely by my name. And it shall remain in the midst of his house and shall devour it and its timber and its stones. Stealing brings a curse on your house. False witness brings a curse on your house. So if I lie about my taxes, I've stolen. I've spoken to many people. Many people do it. They give them the wrong change at the counter. And they say, oh, that's the wrong change. You put them up. They made a mistake. I leave. You've opened the door for a curse in your life. Because you knowingly took what's not yours. You give it back. The second source of curses is men representing God. Now Joshua, this is in Joshua 6.26. They've just destroyed Jericho. Jericho is destroyed. Then Joshua charged Israel and said to them, Cursed be the man before the Lord who rises up and builds this city Jericho. He shall lay its foundation with his firstborn and with his youngest he shall set up its gates. In 1 Kings 16, verse 34, 500 years later, in his days, 
hill of Bethel built Jericho. He laid its foundations with Abraham, his firstborn, and with his youngest son, Segeb, he set up its gates. He, they both died. His youngest and his eldest died, exactly according to the curse that Joshua pronounced 500 years earlier. Imagine what the doctors would say. You see, here's the thing that happens. People go to the doctor and they're not feeling well. They're sick and they've got symptoms. And the doctors say, we can't find any fault. Have you heard that? And we go for blood test after blood test after blood test. And we can't find any fault. And the doctors can't figure out. Have you spoken to people like that? Have you got friends and family like that? You see, can you see what happened here? Joshua declared a curse. This guy didn't know about the curse. He started building Jericho. Lost both his two of his sons, his firstborn and his youngest. Jesus himself in the New Testament. Now the next day when they had come from Bethany, he was hungry. This is Jesus. And seeing afar off the fig tree having leaves, he went to see perhaps if he might find something on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. For it was not the season for figs. Now you might think that's unreasonable, but when before the season it gets a little fig trees get little knobbies on. And if the knobbies aren't there, then there's going to be no figs. And there's nothing there. And Jesus answered and said to him, No one shall eat of your fruit forever. And that it withered up. In Matthew, we read another account where it withered up. Jesus cursed it to death. A third place is parental. Oh, sorry, is people with relational authority. God has structured society hierarchical. Okay? Relational authority. The first one is the father over his family. Now, you won't find in the Bible scriptures directly saying, Father, you are the head of the family. You won't find it. But what you will find are scriptures where fathers are the head of the family. The first one is Genesis 18, 19. For I have known him to the end that he may command his children and his household after him. Can you see it's not her but him? That they might keep the way of the Lord to do righteous and justice to the end that the Lord may bring Abraham that which he has spoken of. So Abraham, in God's eyes, was head of family. The next scripture we have is Genesis 35, 2. Then Jacob said to his household, and to all who were with him, put away the foreign gods that are among you. Can you see he has the authority? He says, put it away. And they listen. Okay? Purify yourselves and change your garments. He's head of the house. Joshua 24, 25. Everybody knows this one. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose today whom you'll serve, whether the gods which your father served, that will be honored, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you But as for me, Joshua, the father, and my house, what we will do, we will serve the Lord. It's strange. When women get saved, if a woman is the only person saved, 
that something like 30% of the family gets saved. But when the husband gets saved, 90% of the family gets saved. Now, you might not like this. The modern society doesn't like it. You see, they teach you at school different things. Society teaches different things. They've got clever people on TED Talks and saying, but equal opportunity and equal this and equal that. And you might not like it, but it's a kingdom with rules that a king has established. You cannot vote over it. You see, it's like gravity. Whether you like the forces of gravity, and all the mana, we must don't like it because the boschkas were the hankas. Whether you like it or not, gravity will do its work. Samia, God has made the husband to be the head of the family. Relational. Now, what if that husband curses his family? It's a source of curse. Saying to his wife, I'm, I get, I'm sick and tired of your cooking. Huh? Oh, I hit the nail right there. <laughs> you will never amount to anything. You are not a good lover. You can never satisfy me. This is common things being said in marriage. It's a curse. Or rather than blessing his children because he curses his children. Saying, you're stupid. You're ignorant. Are you slow? You're never going to get this. Or us family, we are not good with math. It's a curse. That the father, the head of the household, pronounces. You see, people with relational authority... Husband over wife, Ephesians 5.23. Oh, thank you for that. That's another one. Your fathers don't provoke your children to wrath, but nurture them and discipline and instruction of the Lord. If we go to, can go to Ephesians 5.23, is it there? Okay, Ephesians 5.23 says, Husbands, you're the head of the family, the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the wife, of the church. Husband's head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. So there's a relational authority. You see, if we go look in the Bible of an incidence of this, is Genesis 31-32. And Jacob has just left Laban. Remember, he left Laban and he took his two wives with him. And his favorite wife, Rebecca, took of the idols of her father's house. And Laban pursued him and overtook him. And he said to him, why did you steal away at night? Well, I'm scared you're going to take my wives away. Good, I can understand that. But why did you have to take my household gods? He says, I don't have your household gods. Let him who has it not live. Not knowing he's pronouncing a curse over his own wife. And later on, in um, Genesis 35.10, Rebecca dies young, giving birth to Benjamin. You see, that husband, authority over his wife, and he curses. Other authorities, teachers, you stupid, 
I remember I was standard eight. And my math teacher said to me, you must remember you're in a strong group. You're going to have to pull up your socks, otherwise you won't make it. And what are you saying? She said, I'm stupid. I'm not part of the strong group. I remember my principal in matrix said to me, you will never mount even, you are most likely to become a hobo. I was strong on my way there to fulfill those words, but God. Okay, curses come that way. Self-imposed curses. If you have ever said the following, I don't know why I'm living. You've invoked a self-imposed curse. There's no purpose or reason for me. I wish I was dead. I wish I was never born. Now I know there are many of you that have done that. I know it. You've invoked a curse. See, self-imposed curse, Genesis 12, uh, 27, 12, and 13. Perhaps this is when Jacob is trying to deceive his father to steal the blessing. He says to his mother, perhaps my father will feel me and I shall seem to be a deceiver and, he shall, it, and it shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. But his mother said to him, let your curse be on me, my son. And just a couple of verses later, Genesis 27, 46, this is what Rebecca says, I feel weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife of the daughters of Heth, like those who are daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? And that curse is already activated. Her tongue is betraying. My life is no good. Other people and other things must be good to me so that my life must be worth something. You li your life is worth something. There's intrinsic value in your life and purpose in your life. Don't believe that you are here by chance. Young ones, don't believe the lie of evolution that says that you came from goo to you for no purpose or no reason. Don't believe that you invoke a curse. God designed you fearfully and wonderfully, wove you together in your mother's womb. He took the time to take the 42, am I right, 42 or 48 chromosomes to put them together with the DNA strands. He took the time to design you with your hair and your eyes and your lips and your personality. He took the time to put that in, even your crooked little toe. That's how God wanted you, purposefully. God is so creative, so expressive. And sometimes His purpose is just for beauty. Because what would a flower do on the top of Mount Everest? What will its purpose be but for beauty? God has built beauty into you. Don't believe that lie. Don't buy that self-imposed. Man representing Satan. Another source of curses. Witch doctors, sangomas, medicine men. Wicca. Reiki. It's curse, 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 curse. All of it. They represent the kingdom of darkness. 
soulless prayer and utterance. The analogy that I got from another preacher, which I like, is a kettle on a stove, a gas kettle. You know, a normal kettle on a gas stove. It warms up and the steam comes out. And the steam comes out. But when it boils, what comes with the steam? A whistle. All right. So sometimes we get in a place where we are getting boiled. We're getting warmer. And the steam is coming out. We're getting angry. We're getting angry. And, we're getting, and eventually, it's too hot. And the curse comes with the steam. Sounds like this. I wish I never married you. I wish you'd die. The child makes the parents so mad. It's like, I wish you'd just leave. And the curse comes. Because the pot's overcooked. It is a soulish utterance. James 3 verse 14 and 15. Unscriptural covenants. There are two covenants that you and I should enter into. Covenant with God. And covenant with our spouse. And we have to define the marital covenant. The marital covenant is between one original natural man and one original natural woman. In their original state. It's very important. It's very important in the society we live in. You see, am I condemning those people? No. I'm holding up the standard of God. That's the standard of God. I don't condemn you. I don't hate you. I care and I love about you. Therefore, I'll show you the truth. The other one, other covenants that are bad are secret societies. The Ku Klux Klan. Even some churches. Some of you have left churches where they curse you on your way out. You'll never be happy where you go. Because you leave this congregation, God's not going with you. What do we do when somebody leaves? We bless them. Hello? Freemasons. There's a very, very good book you can go read on Freemasons. It's called Darkness Visible. It's released 30, 40 years ago, and no Freemason has challenged it whatsoever. Where they actually pronounce curses over their descendants if they should reveal the secrets or break out of Freemasonry. And their God is Jabulon. It's a combination between Jehovah, Buddha, or Baal, and some other dude. And they named him Jabulon. J A B U L O N. And there's curses that your mouth might dry up and your tongue twist and your heart explode and, 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 and. It's an unrighteous covenant. So, what does God say? Remember now, I will visit this to the second and the third generation because blessings and curses are generational and you might not even done anything of that. But you battle to talk. You see, forms of that blessings and curses take, you can go read that. 
But for time, I can't go into that. Because Deuteronomy has got 56 verses, I believe, on blessing and curse. And the qualification for blessing and curse. If you are willing and obedient, these blessings will overtake you. But let me give you a summary of the blessings. There will be an exaltation of you. You'll be lifted up. You'll have health, reproductiveness in every area of your life. Prosperity, victory, God's favor. Now that to me sounds very good. I'd like that. Thank you very much. I'll take that any day of the week. Am I alone or is there somebody with me of that? Fantastic. Now, summary of the curse. Humiliation. And maybe this will start hitting home when I read this. Inability to re reproduce in any area of your life. Mental and physical sickness. Family breakdowns. Poverty. And poverty. And poverty. And defeat. Oppression. Failure. God's disfavor. I have seen in my own eyes where people have dishonored their parents. And the hereditary disease will go on that child. And the other children don't have that because they don't dishonor their parents. I've seen it. Signs of a curse, is, and we spoke a little bit about that last week, mental emotional breakdown, repeated or chronic illness, repeated miscarriage generationally and related female problems, breakdown of marriage and family alienation. Generation after generation. My father was divorced. My grandfather was divorced. And, and, and. Or we never fit into the family. Our household or our little family doesn't fit into the bigger family. Continual financial and material insufficiency. Accident prone. We spoke about that. A history of suicides or unnatural deaths. You see, where you sit there, I'm trusting the Lord to speak to you and to show you whether these things are in your life because God wants to move you from being cursed to blessed and there's a process to that in Jesus in Jesus Galatians our text to Galatians says that we have moved from the curse because Jesus became a curse he they took on a barter trade I'll take your curse and I'll give you my blessing that the blessing of Abraham might come upon you. See, God did that. It's a, it's a supernatural thing. But before I can get that blessing, I have to break the curse. I have to, because if I've walked in that, or my family has walked in that, it runs. And I have to break that. And then I have to position myself, live up to the conditions for the blessing to keep on coming. And that is a willingness to listen to God and an obedience to do what He says. How to pass from curse? First of all, you have to understand that the full provision has been made through the death of Jesus Christ. You cannot add to it. Jesus did everything for us. Deuteronomy 21, 23. And his body, this is the curse that was in, in Moses' law. His body shall remain on that tree, but you shall surely bury him at that him that day, for he that is hanged is accursed of God's. 
so that the land may not be defiled. For the Lord your God gives you an inheritance. You bear, have to bear in mind that after you have been delivered, you still have to go on meeting this criteria. John 10, 27, My sheep hear, know my voice, and they hear my voice, and they obey my voice. That's the condition of it. The process of release. First is recognize your problem and its cause. And sometimes it's difficult to recognize the cause, but I can see the problem. Maybe your marriage does a six to eight week dance and then we fight. And then it just keeps on going like that. Six to eight weeks and then we fight. Maybe there's serious trouble in the intimacy area for no rhyme or reason. It's just always a problem in that area. See, it's sometimes difficult to know where it comes from, but we can identify that. We're starting a business and it fails, starting a business and it fails, starting a, trying or getting a job and losing, getting a job, always being in conflict with, with uh, uh, authority. Repent of anything that you that ever opened up to it to you. Let me just read that again. Repent of anything that ever opened you to it. You see, maybe you went to see a fortune teller or had the little cup read or your palm read or tarot cards. Maybe you did that. Maybe your mother was into that. Maybe your grandmother was into that. You have to repent of that. Renounce the curse. Father, whatever has come through that thing, I renounce it. In Jesus' name, it's no longer who I, who I am. No longer. I don't accept it anymore because I am in you. And then resist every attempt of Satan to keep you under the curse. You see, because now it's in my thinking. Every time I buy a new product, something expensive, it will be faulty. Somebody in my family said, that's the Kun's curse. You buy something new, it will be faulty. I said, no, it's not. I don't fall under that. I resist that. Not, not for me, thank you very much. Resist. Resist so much so, when I buy something new, I open it there, I check it, I test it, I make sure this thing works. If it doesn't, next one please. And just because we do that, we've saved ourselves many a trip up and down. Because when they give me that one, something was not in there. The charger wasn't in the new laptop. So I don't want this one, it's been opened, give me my next new one. I thought, why? Because I resist that. Specific steps. And we're going to move to a place where we're going to minister to you. We're going to pray with you. And we're going to have communion to break these things. Establish a clear scriptural basis. Have we established a clear scriptural basis this morning? I've given you text. But the one that I want you to take home. The one that I want you to have in your heart. Is not the curse. But this. Galatians 3. Verse 13 and 14. That says that Christ became a curse for me. 
and he made a transaction, a spiritual transaction. He took my curse and he gave me his blessedness. More scriptures to go with that is Ephesians 1.7, Galatians 1, uh, Colossians 1.13 and 14, John 3.8, Luke 10 verse 19, Luke 10 verse 10. I was good this week. Don't expect this every week. Please, it's not going to happen. But I've made notes. Okay. Real thorough notes. So if you are interested in afterwards, I'll put it on the church's WhatsApp group and you can download it. Okay. But don't expect that every week, okay? It's, it's, it's not me. I really believe the Lord has laid this on my heart this morning. See, so establish clear scriptural basis. Confess that the, your faith in Jesus Christ because He is the high priest of our confession, Hebrews 3.18. You see, the, the curse is broken when you are saved. Now I want you to look me in my eye because normally I say bow your heads and close your eyes. And maybe I've been at fault. Maybe the way we've done church and in the last 50 years where we believe that we are saved by saying a prayer. You are saved by receiving the person of Jesus Christ and walking with Him as your God, as your Lord, and as your Savior. That's when you're saved. Now the prayer that we normally pray is to say that. If you look me in my eye this morning, tell me. Well, you don't have to put up your hand or speak or anything. But look me in my eye and say, I'm saved. It needs to cling in you. Bing. The sound must be in you. I'm I'm I have received Christ and I am walking with Him. And if not... then we need to remedy that. We need to make sure. Because this is the most important thing in the world. Is your eternal destiny. And you can have all the money and all the comfort in this life. And miss heaven. And miss eternity with the King of Kings where you walk on pavings of gold. I would not do my job. I will be a pathetic ambassador for Christ if I do not confront you with salvation. Have you received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Do you believe with your heart of hearts, your inner man, that He died on a cross for your sins and He rose again? And you walk with Him. Have you received Him? John 1.12 Received Him. You see, because He wants to move from, bless, from cursed to blessed. Why? Because He loves you. He died on a cross to prove that He loves you. Not that He's right. Not that you have to tick all the boxes. Because He knows you and I cannot ever Tick all the boxes. Imperfection cannot go into perfection. 
So if I'm a good person, I'm still not a perfect person. Even if I get 99.9% everything right, I still fall short of the glory of God. And I need an ambassador to make a way for me. That's Jesus. He is the apostle. The parakletos for me in heaven. The one that intercedes and stands in the gap and says, Father, I've taken the shots. Look at my hands. They are in me. They've received me. That one has received me, Lord. It's mine. Then the Father says, Fan, good. Well done, son. They can come. Are they walking? Are you walking with him? Are you serious with him? If not, you need to make that decision this morning. I urge you. I want, to, I want to echo Paul's words in 2 Corinthians 5. I beseech you. I'm on my knees begging you. Put down the weapons of war that you have against God. And be reconciled to Him. Make peace. Say, Lord, I receive. Wave a white flag and surrender. Surrender to Him. He will do you no harm. He will do you no harm. But when you pray, forgive all, everything. You see, you cannot come with your 500 rand IOUs to God because God will stick out His you owe my life, I owe you to you. And it makes you a deal. If you will tear up your IOUs and forgive people, I will tear up my IOU and forgive you. And release you. Commit yourself to the obedience of the word because that's the condition for continuing in blessing. Commit yourself. You know what commitment is. Any person that's married longer than six minutes, they know what commitment is. Because when he makes you mow or she makes you crazy, it takes commitment. And when they had that spat and that big fallout, it takes commitment to go back and say, let's reconcile. When you have children, it takes commitment not to kill them. It takes commitment to raise them. It takes an outpouring of you into them. Make a commitment to be obedient to the Word of God. Because that's the position you have for the continued blood upon your life. Confess any known sins of yourself or your ancestors. You are not guilty for the sins of your ancestors, but you are affected by its consequences. You might confess that my mother was a fortune teller. My grandmother was a Christian scientist. My father was a Freemason. You have to identify with the sin in your family that brought the curse upon your family. You confess the sin 
on behalf of your family. You see, God has put something powerful in your hand. God says to Moses, take your staff and go to Pharaoh. He says, Lord, what am I going to do with this staff? He says, drop it on the ground. It turns into a snake. Moses got scared. Moses is scared of the power in his hand. And God says, no, just stick out and pick it up. It'll turn to a stick. Don't be scared of the power that's in your hand. To break it open for your family. So that your children's children don't have to worry about it. That there will be nothing passing on from you. Forgive all persons everything. Renounce all contact with the occult or secret societies. Get rid of contact objects. You cannot walk, have a little ball in your house or a yin yang. You cannot have those things. Walk around with crystals that have been used in seances. You cannot. That accursed thing, that curse comes on you. It's in the Bible. Whether we believe it or like it or not, get rid of it. When you go to Hawaii, don't bow down and let them put that thing on your neck. Don't do it. There's a religious thing connected to that. You'll come back depressed. Number seven, release yourself in the name of Jesus. The word of God says, whatever you release on earth will be released in heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Matthew 18, 18. And I'm going to lead you in prayer. Those people are going to help with the communion. Please, would you get the communion? And let's just share that up. Hand out the communion. And we're going to pray a prayer together. Are you willing to do that this morning? You want to pray with me? Can you see a need for that in your own life? Well, yeah, just a little bob of the head will do. Okay, I know you're not that little thing in front of the car. In my preparation, I sat down and I was crying and saying, Lord, I want this. You can hand it out. Thank you, guys. You see, there's power in communion. Because it's the blood of Jesus that washes us clean. It's His body that's broken for us. He took that curse upon Him. All these curses, all the places and the sources that it comes from, He's taken that on Him so that you and I can be blessed. And I'm trusting the Lord this morning for something supernatural to happen. Psalm 118 verse 17 is such a beautiful thing. Maybe you've said it in your life before that I'll 
you know, what's my life worth living on? I wish I would die. Psalm 118 verse 17 says, I shall not die, but live and proclaim the works of the Lord. Don't you want to say that with me? Can I, I'll, I'll say it and you say it. Okay. Psalm 118 verse 17. I shall not die, but live and proclaim the works of the Lord. Let's say it one more time. Can we do that? It's okay. I shall not die, but live and proclaim the works of the Lord. You see, Jesus says to Peter, you will renounce me three times before the crow crows. The rooster goes and he denied him three times. Remember? But Jesus confronts me and says, do you love me? How many times did Jesus ask him that question? Three times. As he has to cancel that out. See, when we say something, maybe, maybe we're just canceling out. Let's just say it one more time. I shall not die, but live and proclaim the works of the Lord. Father, we just thank you so much that we can pronounce life over ourselves i am going to read this prayer and i'm not a person that reads prayer you guys know that but this morning i'm going to ask you to, to and it, it's not a formula it's not, it's not a formula there's no formula prayer that you can pray that will have more effect than another prayer i've just written it down to make sure we cover this is that okay so i'm going to read and then you're going to say, I'm going to break it up in a little parts. Okay. Dear Lord Jesus. I believe that you are the son of God. And the only way to God. That you died on a cross for my sins. And rose from the dead. I renounce all my sins. And I turn to you. Lord Jesus, for mercy and for forgiveness. And I leave you to forgive me. From now on, I want to live for you. I want to hear your voice and do what you tell me. In order to receive your blessing, Lord. And to be released from any curse over my life. I confess any known sins committed by me. Or by my ancestors. Or others related to me. And there where you are now. If you can think of stuff. Won't you just quietly confess that to the Lord. Maybe you know that your family was in Freemasonry. Maybe in prostitution, maybe in gambling, extorting people, dishonoring parents. Just stay where you are. Just take a minute to quietly confess that.
Lord, I thank you that I believe you have forgiven me of everything that I have confessed. Your turn. Let's do that again. Lord, I thank you that I believe you have forgiven everything that I have confessed. And I want to say, I forgive all persons, whoever has harmed or wronged me. And I forgive them all now, as I would have God forgive me. Maybe there's somebody in particular you want to forgive now. Just make the decision this morning. To forgive, whether it's be a parent, a grandparent, any other family member, maybe a pastor, a teacher. Anything that has hurt you or grieved you, will you tear up that IOU right now by choice? Not emotion, but by choice. Furthermore, Lord, I renounce any contact by myself or anyone related to me with Satan or the occultic power in any form or any kind of secret society or any church that's unbiblical. Also, I commit myself to remove from my house any occult objects that honor Satan and dishonor you, Jesus. With your help, Lord, I will remove all. And now, Lord Jesus, I thank you further that on the cross you were made a curse. That I might be redeemed from the curse. And might receive the blessing. Because of what you did for me on the cross. I now release myself from every curse. Every evil influence. And every dark shadow over me or my family. From any source whatsoever. I release myself now in the name of Jesus. Won't you thank the Lord for just doing that? Where you are, would you thank the Lord? Your act of faith. Father, thank you for releasing me. Father, thank you for cutting that off. Where you are, would you just pronounce that out loud? Maybe it's you know what you've been dealing with. Just say it there. Thank you, Lord. We're going to take the communion as an, as an action to put distance between ourselves and any of those curses. And as you take the biscuit that was broken for your healing, I want you to just 
see Jesus take the curse of sickness and disease upon his body. He was beaten 39 times. Modern medical medicine and diseases are divided into 39 different categories. Can I have those guys on the sides here for me, please? That I also just want to make a circle, please. So for every category of disease, Jesus took a stripe. He was beaten. His body was broken. So maybe you sitting with a certain disease, arthritis, diabetes, diabetes, maybe there's cancer in the family, maybe there's feminine problems in the family, high blood pressure, low blood pressure, cholesterol, anything, anything like that. Jesus says, if you'll eat my body, drink my blood, we'll have a part with one another. Why don't you take that and say, Father, I place distance between myself and any one of those curses of sickness. In Jesus' name. Father, thank you for your work. Lord, we don't, we don't have to have goose flesh and all these things. We know that we are walking in faith. We put our trust in you this morning. And as we take the wine which represents his blood, he says, my blood was spilled for you, the forgiveness of your sins. And he washes us clean. He says, oh, you're like scarlet, I'll make you white as snow. He says, and if you drink this, and he, Jesus uses graphic language, he says, if you drink this, if you drink my blood, because your life is in the blood, we'll have a part, and it displaces the death, because the enemy comes to steal, and to kill, and to destroy, but Jesus came to give life, and life in abundance. Father, any origin of sin, that's brought a curse. As we drink this, Lord, would you wash us clean, us and our families and our descendants. Thank you, Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, I command any curse to leave now in Jesus' name. I proclaim over your children, Isaiah 61, the year of the Lord, where you set the captives free. I declare you free in Jesus' name. I declare any curse, any addiction, every weakness, any iniquity broken over you in Jesus' name name and I proclaim the blessing of Abraham over you blessing you I will bless you multiplying you I will multiply you and in you families will be blessed you are blessed to be a blessing that you may have the fat of the land and the dew of heaven 
In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Won't you stand? We're almost done this morning. I want you to just look somebody in the eye. Just look somebody in the eye and speak this over them. Just look somebody in the eye. Make sure you've got somebody that you look at. Thomas, and stand there. Make sure. I don't want anyone alone. I want you to say this to them. You can say it simultaneously. Look them in the eye and say the following. Through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, you have passed out from under the curse and enter into the blessing of Abraham. Whom God blessed in all things. Through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. You have passed out from under the curse. And entered into the blessing of Abraham. Whom God has blessed in all things. Father, thank you that we can leave this morning knowing that you have done a way out this morning. Father, thank you for testimonies that will come of how people's lives have changed. Lord, and as ambassador of heaven, I want to pronounce the choice of your blessings on your children. Your favor upon them. That you might go before them. That you might hedge them in. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Let's go have some coffee. raging I know your body's weak but I also know that heaven is much closer than you think he's in the air you're breathing he's there in the unknown so you don't have to worry just grab his hand and don't let go and I speak peace peace to come into the room, I speak peace, peace of And I speak life, life. To come into the room, I speak life, life of And I know it's suffocating when sickness weighs you down. 
But it's not yours to carry So let it go right now You don't have to fear the future This is our confidence That the God who holds forever Is not finished with you yet So I speak hope Hope to come into the room I speak hope hope over you yeah. and I speak joy joy to come into the room I speak joy joy over you cause I've known his freedom and I felt his power and I know that time and time again he has come through and I've known his healing, and I've seen his fire. So I'm asking him to come and fly out the room. And I speak peace to come into the room. I speak peace, peace over you. And I speak light, light, to come into the room. I speak light, light for me. Yeah, I speak peace, peace, to come into the room. I speak peace, peace over you. Come into the room, I speak loud.